Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. We'll be looking at the first 11 verses. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. going to ask you to take your Bibles and to turn back to that very familiar passage in Matthew chapter 5. The guys are going to collect the cups. Right there, guys. We just talked about that last supper. And I want to talk to you a little bit about food. Um, now, I had, when, when we went on this cruise... I had a bit of an issue with food, and, and there was this one older gentleman, my wife was riding up in an elevator, uh, 10 decks on that boat, 6,000 people on that ship, that's a thousand more than Nippuan, like just absolutely astounding. Um, 3,600 passengers, 1,400 crew, they treated us like royalty, and then on the very last day they said, get your buns off this ship, we need to put more people on. But the food was absolutely astounding. And my wife rode up in one of the elevators with uh, uh, some older people. <laughs> yeah, older people. <laughs> and, and, and one gentleman says, uh, I'm so tired of all this food. Uh, and I don't know how you get to be that way, but, but man, the food was great. I mean, like, like there was buffets. There was 24-hour pizza. There was sandwich bars. There was, there was food just all over the place. You never went without food. And then we went to the dining room every day at 6. We had our, our appointment and our, our table and, and our own waiters. And, and, and like I said, they treated us like royalty. And, and every, you know, you were given the menu and they had everyday stuff on the menu. And every day there was something else and there were choices of, of starters and then your entrees and then your desserts. And, and there were also things on, on the menu called Didja's, D-I-D-J-A, Didja, as in, did you ever try this? And so there were things like frog's legs and escargot and shark's shark, yeah, 
shark you could eat. I passed on those, but I did try the alligator. And um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to go back for that, but it's kind of mushy and wasn't all that great. But then, the, then there were the desserts. I have to confess to you, I, I ate too much. Yeah, I did. But the signature dessert of that particular cruise line is something called warm chocolate melting cake. And the warm chocolate melting cake comes in a dish about this size and about that deep, and it's, it's, it's like chocolate cake, and it's, it's warm, it's hot, and it's got this gooey bottom, and, and you get served this, this other little dish of vanilla ice cream with it, and it's got a chocolate wafer in it, and you'll think you'll die and went to heaven. Now, I like coffee, too. And then, so uh, the warm chocolate melting cake, I had that uh, several times. But then they served on, on this very last day, they had something called cappuccino ice cream pie. Oh, man, was that good. You know what? I liked it. And I ate too much. Why do you think I ate too much? I ate more than I should have. I need to fast for about three months, I think, to, to get rid of everything. But I liked it. And temptation is kind of like that. We want to talk about temptation. You see, the reason something tempts you is because you like it. Now, most of you know about my relationship with corn. Corn and I don't get along. I had no trouble passing up the corn that was served on my plate. I had no trouble passing up the roasted cobs of corn. But the chocolate melting cake and the cappuccino ice cream pie and the filet mignon and, 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 and the flat iron steak and, and, and all that other stuff. I mean, like, it was great. You could have uh, pancakes and waffles and steak and eggs for for breakfast, and there was, oh man, there's 24-hour pizza and, and a deli that would make you sandwiches, and, and uh, oh, it was great. But the trouble with temptation is the reason something tempts you is because you like it. I like it, and I like being tempted. Don't you? See, the stuff that you don't like never tempts you, right? But the stuff that you do like is a temptation, and the Bible says, gives us a way of dealing with that from the Lord's Prayer. We've been talking about the Lord's Prayer, and one of the questions that I want to ask you, the Lord's Prayer is a pattern. It's not a prescription. And we've talked about that. And, and next week, Teen Challenge is going to be here, and they're going to do excuse me, the whole program. And so we're not going to, to talk about the Lord's Prayer next week, but I'm really wondering, we've been dealing with this subject for quite some time. And I'm wondering, has it made any difference in your life? Uh, have your prayer patterns changed anything? 
You know, like, like if, if it hasn't made any difference, boy, we've been wasting a lot of time together. But I'm asking you, have you changed anything? Are you learning something? Have you changed your practices? Because here is one of the things that I think I don't like. You see, I like temptation. And, and the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray. The, the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus did. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the phrases or one of the principles that he teaches us there is to pray that God will not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The trouble with that prayer is that it works. The problem is that I like temptation, and I don't want to pray that prayer. Does that make sense? How are we going to deal with it? How do we handle temptation? Let me give you some lessons here. First of all, you need to learn to identify the source of temptation. Where does it come from? And the word temptation can mean either something that will, an enticement for us to sin, or it can be a test of some sort or another. But there is someone who is called the tempter, and that is Satan. We read about him, Ken read about him in Matthew chapter 4 for us earlier, and he came to test Jesus. He came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. And the reality is that, that God doesn't tempt us. James teaches us that God doesn't tempt us, but the tempter comes along and he puts something in front of us and he puts something in front of us that we like. And then we're tempted. We see something and it looks good. And I know that warm chocolate melting cake tastes good. I've had it more than once. And I like it. It's hard to pass up because I know it tastes good. And it satisfies a part of me. It's decadent. It's rich. It's chocolate. I mean, there's ice cream with it. What more could you ask for? But where does temptation come from? Some of it comes from the world, from the culture in which we live. Our culture teaches us that the road to self-worth, the way to feel good about yourself is to, is to have position or power or privilege or money or possessions or connections. And the reality is that the world is not our friend to help us in our walk with God. But there is also this thing called that the Bible calls the flesh or the sinful nature. And it's not just my physical desires. Part of it is my desire for sex or food or drugs or booze or, or some of those things. Yeah, my body desires that. But it also includes our psyche. 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10 says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So temptation comes from the world. It comes from inside us, from our fallen nature, but it can also come from the tempter, from the devil who is our enemy. And his goal is to destroy and discredit and discourage and disrupt and misdirect and divide us. And each of those sources of temptation 
demands different tactics on our part in terms of dealing with it. So what happens when you're tempted? There is a path of temptation. Temptation, it's, it's not often that someone just, you know, something just poof, it happens. There is a path to it. And let's take a look at what the path to temptation is. You might ask yourself the question, is it wrong to be tempted? Well, not really, because Jesus was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted and tested in every way that you and I are, and yet he was never sinned. Uh, Jesus was tempted sexually. He would have been tempted physically, psychologically, and spiritually. His hormones would have gone crazy when he was a teenager. He must have been tempted to deck someone who shouted at him, Maybe he was tempted to desert his mission. And Satan threw all those temptations at him in Matthew chapter 4. But it's not wrong to be tempted. How does it work? If you have your Bibles here, go to Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to show you two ways, or basically two situations, in which temptation shows us the path of temptation. Genesis chapter 3 is the story of Eve and the serpent and how they ate the forbidden fruit. You know the story. Let me read for you from Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Caused her to question. You must not eat from any tree of the garden. So the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so here's the path of temptation. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, no problem up until that point, she saw, and it was pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She saw it, she thought about it, she took it. Go to Joshua chapter 7. Just a few books in. The story here is about the fall of Jericho. Israelites had gone in, marched around the city, seven days, six days, around the city once, seven times. On the seventh day, the city fell. And God had said, this entire city is to be devoted to me. You are not allowed to take anything from this city. Uh, it is mine. There's nothing in this city that is yours. Someone saw something, and he took it, and there was sin in the camp. But here's the path. Finally, they asked him what had happened. Chapter 7, verse 21. Let's start at verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, he's the man who sinned, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, 
the God of Israel. This is what I have done. And here's the path of temptation, the path to sin. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, he saw this stuff. Nothing wrong there. He was tempted. But I coveted them, I wanted them, and I took them. And that's usually where things come off the rails. It's when we see something, we look at it, we think about it. It's like the warm chocolate melting cake. When that thing is sitting there in front of you, even when you see it on the menu, and you know it's going to come your way, and it's free, you know you shouldn't eat it, but you do. I saw it, I wanted it, I took it. And that's what happens with the path of temptation. You can't help but look. You can't help but feel the tug, but it's what you do with the initial awakening that is the problem. So how do you deal with it? Like I said earlier, the problem with the prayer that Jesus taught us is that it works. There are times that I have prayed this prayer, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Father, I know that if in this particular situation, stuff could come off the rails, and Lord, I pray for your protection. I don't always do that because, like I said, I like playing with it. You know, it's fun. I enjoy it. I like it. And I want to play with temptation. And I don't want to pray that prayer because I know that God will protect me, and he does. Sometimes God allows temptation into my life to make me strong. You know, when you pump iron, if you, if you lift some weights, uh, at first you can't lift very much and you can't do very many repetitions, but the more you lift, the more you work, the stronger you become. And you can lift heavier weights and you can do more repetition and you start to tone and you, you start to get stronger and you start to, to develop some muscle and it's the same with temptation. God doesn't tempt us, but he allows us to be tempted to develop our strength. But sometimes we're reluctant to pray this prayer because it is efficacious. In other words, it works. And the Bible says there is no, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And sometimes we need to use some common sense. There are situations where I don't go because I know that I will face temptation that I can't handle. There are decisions that you and I need to make. It's like the guy who showed up, the guy who was on a diet. Shows up for work one morning with a whole bag full of donuts. Must have been the Timmy's. And someone said to him at work, well, you know, like, you shouldn't be eating donuts. I thought you were on a diet. Yeah, well, he said, it's God's will for me to eat these donuts this morning. You've heard this story, right? He said, it's got to be God's will for me to eat these donuts. I prayed this morning that if God wanted me to have donuts, that there'd be a parking spot open in front of the bakery. And he said, you know what? After 10 times around the block, it, there was. <laughs> you know, sometimes we need to 
we need to think about some of these things too. And we're responsible to get involved. The Bible tells us to flee from our lust. The Bible tells us to deny ourselves. The Bible tells us to say, in Titus 2, 11 and 12, says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no. I don't like saying no because I like temptation. It, grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. The Bible tells us that we are to resist the devil. And then it tells us that we are to submit to God. So let me give you just a couple of things to think about when it comes to dealing with temptation. For those of you that think you've got it made, I'm going to give you a warning. Scripture says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It will happen to all of us. Let me give you some comfort for those of us who have given in to temptation. If we sin, the Bible says, we have an advocate, a lawyer who pleads in our defense, an advocate with God. If we confess, he will forgive. Let me give you an exhortation, an encouragement. Resisting temptation is difficult, but with the grace of God, we too can grow in this area. And temptation comes in many different forms. Sometimes it's the temptation to get mad or to get even. Sometimes it's the temptation to spout off when you need to be quiet. Many different forms. Resisting temptation is difficult, but with the grace of God, we too can grow in this area. So, here's a question for you. How are you doing? Are you praying? Are you resisting? Are you fleeing? Are you submitting? Or, would you rather deal with temptation on your own because you sort of enjoy it? Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Put a challenge before you. Use it. It works. I know. I've done it. Let's pray together. Father, we're so glad that we're not alone and on our own in this world. Thank you for your protection. Lord, there's there are things from which you protect us we don't even have a clue about. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for providing for us, and thank you for providing strength in the hard times of life. And Lord, help us, teach us to pray that you would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here this morning. Lord, cause us to grow, help us to when we walk out of the doors of this building to walk into this mission field of Nippon, give us God moments where we can speak to people about Jesus Christ this week and help us to come back rejoicing next week again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.